Hi everyone, welcome to the House of Learning podcast. This is Richard. We are back and uh, we're doing a little special conversation today. I've got with me uh, someone who has been on quite a lot of podcasts of old, which is Tim Reed. Uh, yeah. And uh, also someone who you've been on a couple of podcasts before, but is also from of old, maybe older, which is Steve Marshman. I'm not old, I'm older. Older. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we should uh, we should let people know who you are. Like, yeah. do some introductions, because you are not at a Jesus church, no. but you've got intimate history yes. with the church, yeah, which is why we love you guys. Well, it's great to be here. And yeah, when it was first started in 2004, I was on the original elder team. So yeah. that goes way back. And then when 20, what's now called 26 West, the, that plant happened. I went with that team to be... Yeah. An elder there, and I was an elder there about eight years before I stepped down. But I know, I'm still but you're still there. But I'm still there yeah. and very involved. Yeah, which is cool. So you're like at, at a, a sister church. Yes, Not very far much away so. from us. Yeah. Yes. And then Tim. Yeah. Man, it, it, it's funny being back here. I feel like I, like I just left, but it's actually been a couple yes. of years. So for me, the Jesus Church family of churches that existed years ago, that, that was the place where really the scriptures came alive for me. This is going back 12 15 years-ish. And Steve, you were my theology teacher. <laughs> I mean, this is going back it's a while ago, over a decade ago. <laughs> yeah, you, you were teaching theology at what was called Solid Rock at Jesus Church at the time. And it was actually Solid Rock Fellowship. Oh, really? I don't think it was ever Solid Rock at Jesus Church, was it? Do you I know what? I, think so. I think on the documents I've seen. Oh, it was. Okay, it, it, I no, stand no, corrected. No, I think yeah. you're right. I think it's just Shocking say that Solid we can't Rock keep Fellowship. Up with the names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm just not sure I ever heard anyone call it Solid yeah. Rock Fellowship. Oh, yeah, but no, I've seen it like on a check or on something. Uh, lots of people didn't like the fellowship part of the name. Like, yeah. That's what it officially was. Huh? Yeah. But yeah, anyway, for you know, for years, this was the, the church that, that me and my family called home. And Richard, we did a lot of stuff together, teaching yeah. through the scriptures and, and teaching, yeah, in the college, house of learning and, and things like that. Yeah. And so you will have heard from these guys before. Um, and I'm trying to think if this might have been the last time actually. Um, that we got together and did a podcast was when you were diving into the book of Revelation because you had this really big heart to want to equip people and make something more accessible. And so you wanted to pick something. And it was this twofold thing of like, well, I can get why that's confusing to read. So that's like one part of it is like, oh, we can make a difference and help a lot here. But the other part was, and pick something that's really important to read. Yeah. Right? And so you picked Revelation, and um, I will put the link in the podcast notes if you're like, oh, that sounds interesting, yeah. because it's, it's still there, it's still cool, and you can, if you want to read through Revelation, these guys will sort of go along with you, uh, unpack some of, the st some of the, like, here's the inside scoops you need to know to make sense of what's going on. But that's, that, was, that was years ago. A couple of years hat. ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and you're doing a new project. Correct. Right. So tell us, uh, let the cat out of the bag. Well, it's the book of Hebrews. Yeah. Because why not pick the second hardest book in the New Testament? Right. So let's talk about that for a sec. So, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like there's these two things again of like, it's important and it's hard to yeah. read. So why, like, why did you pick Hebrews? So we did the Revelation podcast, and that was huge for both of us for different reasons. That I, I went down the Revelation rabbit hole probably eight years ago or so, and never quite came out the other side. And Steve did as well. So we did this verse by verse podcast through it, and at the time it was just a standalone project, and and it was over, and that was that. But we kept getting questions from people saying, "What's the next book?" 
And for me, I, I never thought there would be a next book. Yeah. Neither did and, I at the and, time. Yeah, and, and a, a little while after that, Steve just fell head first into Hebrews. And he kept calling me being like, man, this book might be harder than Revelation in, in, in some ways. It's really dense, and, and there's not a lot that's talked about with it in our American you know, Yeah, there's like context. those famous four sections that get talked yep. about out of context, just pulling that one verse out. Yep. So yeah. it, was, it was really, it was, it <laughs> yes. was, it was really Steve who was the, the genesis of this. And uh, yeah, how, how, did, how did you fall in love with it? Well, I started just thinking if, if they, people want us to do another book, that's a fantastic thing. Let's do another book, but which one are you going to do? And it hit me that Hebrews isn't preached through cover to cover very often at all. A lot of churches just preach through chapter 11 and yeah. move on. Really? And yes. Uh, why? Did your church do that? No, I mean, oh, we've I, done a we've done a Hebrews yeah, class here yeah. and we did the whole book. I've seen it a couple times. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it's because it's very identifiable and, you know, it's, there's a, and it's the longest chapter in the book, so it's, it's a pretty good chunk. Yeah. But one of the things that really hit me was uh, there's just like Revelation. There's it's Hebrews has the second most allusions to the Old Testament after Revelation, and we know that we don't know the Old Testament as well as the original listeners. So yeah. if we could dig they in and breathed and sweated, right? It was oh, just yeah. natural right. for them. Yeah. So there was a lot, a lot of unpacking to do that we mm-hmm. thought we could, we would unpack a lot of cool things. But then the other part of it, I just realized that even though every once in a while we'll say, as disciples of Jesus, we're a kingdom of priests. That's pretty much the end of the discussion. Yeah. And what does that really mean? And I am amazed how little any of the evangelical churches I've listened to, been a part of whatever, talk about Jesus or high priest. Mm-hmm. We just don't use priestly language very much. No. And it's so helpful to conceptually that. to understand mm-hmm. our mission, our place in the world, our relationships with others. Yeah. Yeah. And then some people listen to this might be saying, well, okay, Jesus is our high priest, so what? One of the things that Tim and I do when we do these long podcasts is we read the book over and over and over again. And it hit me that all the talk about Jesus, the high priest, is in the first two-thirds of the book. Yeah. And the last third of the book, there's n- there's no mention of Jesus, the high priest. So what happens? And even though Jesus is the high priest is the main theme of the book, and just about any study Bible, anybody you talk to say, yeah, Hebrews is about Jesus, our high priest. What it's really about is it's a, it's a call to persevere yeah. in the faith. Yes. Yep. And the way we can persevere in the faith is because we're following Jesus, the high priest, who's our mediator to God the Father. And if there's any message that we need in the church today... It's we need to persevere in our in our faith. Yeah. The church is struggling. It just yeah. is. And as a community of believers and as individual believers believers, if we could persevere in the faith, we'll do well for the kingdom and we'll be yeah. better disciples. And the way we do that is follow Jesus, our high priest. And yeah. the author, the we call him the pastor, because the book of Hebrews is a sermon, actually. Um, we think it's just a great way to to increase everybody's uh, discipleship. That's pretty cool. And I, and I love that it's um, it's a call to follow Jesus. Yeah. And like Jesus is awesome. Look how awesome Jesus is. That's right. But it's also a how to yep. follow Jesus. There's actually yep. some of the distinctions about who Jesus is and the kind of dynamics of relationship with Jesus that enable following Jesus. Yeah. But then I also love that there's we get the flip side of the and if you don't like here's 
actually a, there's a warning that's as right. well. Oh, right? man. So there's actually it's, five it's warnings. It's deeply in the practical. Yeah, yeah. Um, deeply practical. I, because you can read Hebrews and just feel like every other verse is pulling your head into the clouds. Of, so there's probably some stuff going on here I don't know because I don't know the Torah. Yep. Right. Right. And just feel like it's this is like a theology in the abstract heavens. Yeah. like book but actually it's designed what you're saying is to be a deeply boots on the ground impacting us yeah book and that, that feels like that's something that you then saw the importance of absolutely and we just ran with it and then of course anytime you spend more time dedicating into one book of the bible it starts coming alive yeah. more yeah. and more and more and tim you should mention all the stuff you've seen uh because you really like the language of shadow and substance oh, oh yeah. i mean the the that the help Hebrews gives us reading our Old Testament is amazing. But you it's, should yeah. Some yeah, it's too. it's incredible, and, and it's funny. Part of it is just maybe our personality differences, but also the amount of time that we have available. You were able to read pretty much every commentary cover to cover multiple times. For me, I went lighter on the commentaries, and and before we started recording, for probably like eight to nine months straight, I read nothing but the book of Hebrews on repeat and stuff just came alive with like the literary structure and how the author is tying things together. And for me reading the Bible, like when I can understand how the author is working at a literary level, it just makes things open up that I never would have seen before. And this idea of shadow versus substance is huge. It is everywhere in Hebrews, and as an example, right, like I'm walking down the street and the sun's out. Well, my shadow represents me. Any way that I move, my shadow moves in direct correspondence, but the shadow is not the substance. I am the substance. And Hebrews portrays so many things in that, in that light. It, it, it portrays this present reality as the shadow of the substance that is coming in yeah. God's new creation. It, it portrays the old covenant, which was not bad. It was a covenant of grace, but it was a shadow of the substance that was coming in Jesus. And, and that's a motif that is used over and over throughout the book. And it's been really, really helpful for me to understand just life and, and, and the way that things are in our world. So let me ask you this. Like, uh, how has spending all this time in the book of Hebrews affected you personally like are there things that you feel like have been breathed into you by jesus as you've made this connection with him around the book of hebrews well probably everybody listening to this podcast has had some struggle some hardship some hard time the three of us the same yeah and when those times come now I feel like I have a better way to process hardships. And just I was at a coffee this morning with a, a dear friend who's going through some really tough times. And, to, and actually, Tim said this on the Hebrews podcast, because I just listened to it again yesterday, that in America particularly, and a lot of the Western world, when someone goes through any kind of suffering, our instinct is to ask, what's wrong? Mm. And yet, suffering is very much a part of the Christian life, the life in the kingdom. And we could talk about that more later if we want. But how do we suffer well? How do mm. we become more like Christ in our suffering? It's we go to Jesus, and he is our mediator. He sits on the, uh, you know, he sits at the right hand of the, uh, of the Father. One of my favorite opening eyes moment is chapter 12 is probably the most quoted fix your eyes on Jesus. Yeah. But the actual 
point that the pastor is making there comes before that. It's to run the race with perseverance. That's Mm -hmm. what is that's the main action item. We need to run the race with perseverance, the main goal of the whole sermon. And the way we do that is to fix our eyes on Jesus. So when I go through hardship, I realize that I have Jesus, who is fully human, fully identifies, a bunch of verses in Hebrews about that, with my suffering. He suffered more mightily than we will, and he can identify with it, and he's interceding to the Father for me. So there's an amazing amount of help to live in the daily presence with Jesus uh, as we walk with him. Yeah, I love that. I mean, even as you're talking, it reminds me the end of chapter 10, which is like, we're not those who are going to shrink back. Right. Right. And I just, I mean, when you said about where people are at and what life is like right now and how a lot of people, a lot of Christians feel, but just a lot of people feel about their place in the world is like, I kind of want to, like that, uh, I, don't, I don't, different translations might say it differently, but mine's got shrink back and it makes me oh, yeah. think just like crawl back into a hole. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, people right now feel like crawling back into a hole. Right. And Suffering, evil, persecution, difficulty yeah. makes us feel like that. Yes. And I feel like that's such an interesting yeah. uh, visual for like, no, I'm going to like, I'm going to come out of a hole and let's get on yeah. with some stuff. And, and one of the things a really we, different attitude. How do you do it? How oh, do you do this it? book could be about that. It, it does. And for those listening, the real switch and the call to perseverance happens. Chapter 10, verse 19, the major change. I wish there was a chapter break there, mm. but it's not. It, but chapter 10, verse 19 is where the beginning massive change in direction. But one of the things that Tim and I picked up on as we read this, since it is a sermon from a pastor, he gives these five warnings. And if you just focus on the warnings, you go, man, this guy's pretty harsh. But he's a pastor. He loves his people. You can tell he deeply, deeply cares about his people. Mm -hmm. And with all the warnings comes a word of an encouragement. And those are fun to focus on as well. Yeah. You know, and, and going back to what you said about suffering, one of the things that this book has really made an imprint on me with is that idea like in in america often we say when i'm suffering god what's wrong and the book of hebrews shows us when we suffer we are sharing in the path of jesus mm-hmm. and 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 instead of saying god what's wrong what we actually need to say is thank you jesus that i am able to walk the same path as you give me the grace yeah. to be able to walk it but nothing's wrong you know i mean well i mean cosmically yes there's a broken world that's yes, going to be yes. fixed yeah. Yeah. but but we don't need to say god why are you doing this to me what have i done wrong to deserve this we can instead realize that our messiah our high priest walked the path of suffering and that we are actually walking that same path yeah. and yeah. that's not to minimize suffering no, in no. any way and it's it's not to to say it's not going to hurt, it's not going to be hard, it's not going to be horrible. You want it to go away, you want it to stop. But while we're suffering, Jesus suffers with That's us. That's right. That's he right. He suffers with us. And that is more encouraging than anything I could think about yeah. when, I, when I suffer. It's like in the book of Acts when Paul is on the, the Damascus Road and he falls off his horse and Jesus says, I am the one you are persecuting, right? Paul thinks he's persecuting God's people, but Jesus says, I'm the one you're persecuting. It makes me think, I'm just thinking of Paul in Colossians as well. I just want to read it. But when he says... I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to the sufferings of Jesus. So Paul is able to experience suffering and he doesn't, it's not saying like, yeah, Jesus is like making me suffer. It's like somehow God intends suffering. Yeah. But 
God's plan and God's storyline for redeeming the world is by actually inhabiting suffering. Right. And, and, right. and that's where some of the special yeah. source happens. That's part of that, like, take up your cross and the cruciform life language. But Paul's able to contextualize his sufferings and saying, like, oh, when I suffer, I see it's contributing to the mission of God yeah, because right. of how I'm inhabiting those sufferings. Yes. And it's so countercultural. It is very, mindset, uh, right? and, it, and it gives a better definition to true love than we have in our culture because we all have kids, but for listeners who don't have kids, if you have a spouse, if you have a dear yeah. friend, when your kids suffer, when your spouse suffers, when your dear friend suffers, you suffer with them because you love them. Yeah. And how powerful it is to think that the Savior, Jesus, suffers with us because he loves us. Yeah. And that, that that's just a big theme of the book. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys some questions <laughs> to put you on the back foot, right? To I'm, I'm put us to, on the what? On the back foot. Oh, back foot. Right? Okay. We I'm had just, to, we I'm had just to translate that. I'm <laughs> what I'm trying to do is imagine okay. thoughts people would have had. And actually, you guys can throw these. Uh, you'll know some of these as well. Thoughts people would have had are like, yeah, but because of this, I think probably don't need to read Hebrews that much. You know, oh, okay. what are some of those things that that maybe become obstacles? So, like, I, I'm just thinking one of them I thought of when you were talking about shadow and substance. Yeah. So a big theme of this book is, like, uh, it's talking to people who were really enamored of the Torah and yeah. the Jewish system and being like, man, if you guys love that, you should love Jesus even more. But, you know, us, like, we don't love that. Yep. So maybe... Nah, we don't need to really hear that message as much because, you know, do I really need to like fall in love with the Torah and Moses and the temple to learn to love Jesus more? Like that yeah. sounds a bit weird. Yeah. You, know, you see what I mean? So uh, I'm sure you guys have discovered that actually that's not a problem and an obstacle, but actually there's something rich to discover. But I think for some people that's probably like, a, oh, this doesn't feel like it's written to me. Right. Yes. One one of the ways we can answer is to say, yes, it's going to take a little bit more work than reading the Gospel of Mark. Yeah. Because you could just sit down and read the Gospel of Mark, and it's mostly stories, parables that you can follow and go, I get that. Where there are sometimes when you read some chapters of Hebrews, you have no idea what he's talking about until you go do the work to figure it out. That's the one of the main reasons we did the podcast. We're trying to do a lot of that heavy lifting for people and guide them and help them through the hard work to arrive at what all this Old Testament yeah. stuff means. Because in any given chapter, it's like, oh, there are 36 bits of the Old Testament <laughs> that are... It's uh, not the, that the bad. Jigsaw pieces, it's not yes, that bad, but it feels that, that, that bad. Here. Yeah. But if you don't have those jigsaw pieces... Yeah, you'd no idea what the picture is, right? Right. And right. so, yeah, it's helpful to know those. Yes, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like with this too, you know, Hebrews, it, it's a hermeneutical argument, which which I, I never realized how how much of a, of a hermeneutical argument the book was until we started doing this deep dive in it. But the author is literally going through the Old Testament, reading it and saying, this is what it was always pointing to. And, and everything is cited in this deep foundation of the Old Testament, and it's showing how what Jesus is doing is a fulfillment and better than what they currently have. And this is a little bit abstract, but, you know, if Hebrews was being written today, what are the deep, quote-unquote, religious convictions that our society holds that yeah. Jesus is better than? 
I, I think that that's what the book of Hebrews would look like today, and that's the argument that's being made. Yeah, that's that's the sort of question the pastor is addressing yeah. in some ways, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, so, okay, well, I live in America, not ancient Israel, so why why would I read this? Well, one of the things that I think becomes very clear as you read this book is one of the primary motifs of the book is the wilderness generation after the Exodus. And you as the reader or listener are supposed to put yourself in that generation and ask the question, am I the one who shrinks back and doesn't want to go into the promised land and wants to go back to Egypt? Or am I the one who goes up on the mountain to become the priest? That, that's one of the fundamental motifs, yeah. and, and that's applicable for anybody. Yeah, I love that. I think as well, like you said earlier, Steve, how uh, really getting to know the book of Hebrews then not only helps you understand the book of Hebrews, but helps you understand the Old Testament and especially the Torah. And that's one of those, like, I think the more we pursue and learn about some of the angsts we have and want God to answer those deep questions, we get drawn to, like, the beginning of the story. Like, well, what what did God initiate? How did he set the story in motion? And actually... Like, we may feel like, yeah, why Like why should I care about a temple? Why should I care about a priest? Why should I care about a sacrifice? Why should I care about the giving of the law? Like, all of these things. It's like, yeah, well, we don't, at a surface level, care about those Jewish rites. But those things, once we inhabit the Old Testament story, it helps us see, like, they're answering our deep angsts about, I want to know what's right. I want to know if God speaks. I want to know how yeah. to put things right. I want to know. And so as Hebrews draws us into that story, actually I feel like it does then all put together actually feed some of our contemporary questions. We just yeah. have to do a bit of work to do the connecting the dots, right? Right. Yeah. As, as you were saying that, there was, there was two texts that popped into my mind right at the beginning of the book where, you know, especially in, in today's world, we ask the question like, does God love me? Does God care about me? Does God see me? Does God yeah. know me? And at the very beginning of Hebrews, it, it talks about how in the past, God had spoken to us through prophets and in, in different ways. But in these last days, ironically, this is 2,000 years ago, roughly. So yes, we are in the last days, according to the book of, uh, yes. the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. And he goes on to say, the son is the exact imprint of the father so in the same way yes so like the the image is when you when you take a seal and you dip it in the hot wax and then you stamp something what is left is the imprint it is the exact imprint of the stamp jesus is the exact imprint of the father and that's who we're hearing from but it's easy for us then to go oh yeah jesus is god and but but we think, but does he understand me? Does he know me? Well, you keep going. Not only is Jesus God, not only is he the exact imprint, when you fast forward to the end of chapter two, it's all about how Jesus has suffered for us. And it says that he has been made like us. Technically, the text says, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. So not only is Jesus the imprint of God, but he has been made like us in every way. And yeah. to me, like that is such it's an profound. amazing foundation. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I was I was literally thinking about this last night reading Colossians. 
And uh, like a favorite bit of Colossians is in chapter one, where it says that Jesus is the image yeah. mm-hmm. of the invisible God. And a couple of verses later says, in him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And it all goes back to this Genesis language. Mm-hmm. And, and like God's commission and God, like God starts creating, mm-hmm. bringing beauty, order and filling and making fruitful. And then he brings human beings in and says, you're going to now be a part of more of this. And of course it goes wrong. And then you you have all this language of Jesus and it's like, yeah, he's the exact likeness, the exact exact image bearer. That's right. It's like a redemption. It's like, no, God's plan works. Like here's Jesus, God become a human being, able to like exactly be the likeness, the image bearer, and even all this fullness language. It's like, yeah, God's ideal to put all of himself in creation, to make contact with creation, to instantiate all of his goodness. Jesus is the culmination of that plan. And And so it just, it ties so many themes together. It's such an amazing set of verses. I think what we're all kind of, if we were to go back up to to a more summary level, so to speak, we all know as disciples we're called to be followers of Jesus, or I like the language learners or best, apprentices. We're supposed to be apprentices of Jesus. Well, what does an apprentice do? You learn everything you can about the person you're following to emulate them and learn about them. Well, when we read the book of Hebrews, we learn a big chunk of things about Jesus that isn't in the rest of the New Testament. Yeah, And we do have to go look at the Old Testament, do a little bit of work, but that's Jesus's Bible. Yeah, that's and that's probably the listeners. They knew they obviously knew all these Old Testament references. That was their Bible. So we're learning more about the one we follow just by studying yeah. this this yeah. book. Uh, and and the level that we could learn about Jesus is just it's a very very high level. Uh, yeah, and it's it's worth the effort. And that's one of those interesting things that you've already said about Hebrews is a, a large part of the content of what pops up in Hebrews is all of these instances of like, look how amazing Jesus is. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's really interesting because there's one part of that clicks. Like the moment you realize, I know like you might be watching football and you will notice like that guy's done like three amazing plays now and you start paying more attention yeah. and you start being drawn like, I want to watch them play next week. You know, you get drawn in and I think Hebrews then it has a, a magnetism towards yes, Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is really awesome. One small example of this, just diving down in the weeds a little bit. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but for a lot of my Christian life, we take communion. Oh, I, I get, know where you're going. I get the blood. Yeah. Jesus died, blood, life, but the body broken for me. I get that. What does it really mean? Oh, yeah, totally. People, we don't know what the body part's yes, for. But we do if we... If we read Hebrews chapter 10, verse uh, 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, so there's the blood, by a new living way open up through the curtain that is his body. So the pastor in Hebrews makes this metaphor between the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place and says when that, that curtain is Jesus' body, and when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn in two. And we talk on the podcast how what changed from the old covenant to the new covenant is the temple, the presence of God, was a two-room place, and now it's a one-room place because yeah. the curtain is torn, 
and that's represented by Jesus' body, is torn broken for us. And now the amazing thing about that, in the Old Covenant, one person once a year could be in the very presence of the Lord. Now all followers of Jesus, because of the body, which is the curtain, broken, torn for us, we could literally live daily in the presence of the Lord. Yeah. Well, That's a mind blow. Jesus says we are his body. We yes. Yeah. Well Jesus, we, exactly. Jesus presents himself now among us yes. by inhabiting us as well. So yeah. it just all beautifully comes together. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of the uh the part of the among us language is I can't remember the reference to maybe you can remember what Jesus so he's not ashamed to call us yeah, brothers. Chapter two. Yeah. That's why he's not ashamed to call us brothers, brothers and sisters. Like that doesn't compute in my brain. Like, wait a minute, the savior of the world, the king of the universe, the one who died for our sins, he calls us brothers and sisters. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's a, it's a crude analogy, but I mean, imagine that you have like a really wealthy brother that just has this amazing house and he just gives you a key to it. You're like, dude, I'm just going to my brother's house. And I like, because this person is my brother, I actually, I got to go treat this house as if it's my own, you know? And it's not it's it's not me that's earned it. Like it's my brother's house, but he has given me access. access yep. Yeah. You know, uh, Steve. To what you were saying in that text in chapter ten, I mean, the, the metaphor is so deep, right? The, the curtain was torn, Jesus's body was broken, but in that verse it says, "Therefore, my brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way." open for us through the curtain, which is his body. So yes, his body was broken, but that's not the end of the story. It, it's, it's, it's not only through this sacrifice. It's also through the life and resurrection of Jesus yeah. that he's opened this living way. And that's really, really cool. Yeah, it is. I, and that like, man, I feel like Colossians and Hebrews could talk to each other. <laughs> yeah. Right? But yeah, you have that theme in Hebrews as well of like this, uh, it's this resurrection reality that actually is the thing we're invited into, not to just come to the cross and hope maybe for something, mm-hmm. but to act that actually it's been made real. The fullness is here. Yeah. The opportunity is now, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's one of the things that we see that it's it's not only an amazing sermon, it's, it's truly beautiful, and obviously it's inspired by the Holy Spirit, but it was fun for us to discover that as the pastor starts talking about Jesus... He starts talking about him as the son. Yeah. And he doesn't actually call him Jesus until he starts talking about the incarnation. Yeah. Because that's when Jesus is human. So he, that that's when the yeah. pastor starts using Jesus language instead of the son language. And then he doesn't start talking about the high priest until uh, Jesus died, rose again, ascended to, to the father. The yeah. exaltation is the technical term. But that's when he starts using high priest language. So... It's like the pastor really gets this. Of course, he's inspired by the Holy yeah. Spirit, but he really, but still, really know what like, he's talking about. There's some about. deep understanding. There's some of, really of deep how God has talked about Himself and yes. revealed Himself. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, very beautiful and artful. Okay, I want to shift right because I feel like we just spent ten minutes nerding out on <laughs> some of the like, isn't Jesus amazing? There's like some things you can go deep in, um, but we also talked about Hebrews as a practical book. So let's have a little chat about that. Like, what are some things? Because I, I feel like what we want to do is, in, if you're listening, we want to encourage you. Like, Hebrews is amazing. You should listen to it. This podcast could really help. That's the call to action, right? Um, and some people would be like, oh, man, like, going deep on who Jesus is. That sounds amazing. Like, I'm in. 
But some people, actually, it might be the more practical things that are like, oh, yes, I actually have that issue. I have that problem. I have that challenge. Like, I, okay, I'm in for those reasons. So what are some of the things you learned that were deeply practical that it's the, you know, the author of Hebrews talks about? Yeah, I, I already mentioned that there's a big change in this call to persevere in chapter 10, verse 19. And he starts out with, and we were just reading some deep theology there, but right after that, there's three terms that Grant Osborne said. These things talk about what it is to be a disciple of Christ just as good as any other place in the Bible. Grant Osborne says that. And the three things, these are very, very practical, and it starts in chapter 10, verse 22. Uh, The first one is, let us draw near to God. So that's the first practical thing. And it goes on to say with a sincere heart, with a full assurance of faith, and so on and so forth. But there's three of these. So the first one is, this is how do we live? We draw near to God, mm-hmm. number one. Number two is, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope. So we draw near to God. We keep hope. You do sermons and sermons and sermons about hope. Yeah. And then the third one is really, really practical, and that comes down in verse 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And if you do those three things, you're going to be doing okay as a disciple of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. and when, when it says spur one another on to love and good deeds, and in the, the Greek behind that, like, it literally says, like, it's like incite a riot. Like, le- like let's incite a riot of love and good deeds. That, that should be our response. One of the things for me, this piggybacks right on that, Steve, is when we go into, into uh, chapter 13, the very, very last chapter of the book, this is something that has, like, really made an impact on me. The author says to remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Yeah. And that has made such an impact on me that, that when I hear about horrific things that happen in our city or in other parts of the world, it can be easy to desensitize yourself to it. And I've, I've literally heard Christians say, well, I can't do anything about that, so I guess they just got to figure it out. You know, I've literally heard that, but like this text says, remember those who are being mistreated as if you were being mistreated and suffering, and and, and it doesn't it doesn't give us an out for for problems. It makes us radically empathize with the people who are hurting to to do something about yeah. it. Yeah, you know, I think Richard, this, it's such a good question you ask, and I think what happens is the first two thirds of the book is thick Old Testament. By the time you get to the more practical stuff. Your eyes are glazed over. Yeah, and and you're like, probably got to go lie down. Yeah, I, I just got to <laughs> plow to the end of the book and go on to the next. Yeah, n- and if you slow down, which I found is the most helpful thing for me, uh, I'm gonna just read. Oh man, of- can we just pause and say like yes. <laughs> that, that's the thing. This whole like, oh, you got to read a chapter a day, is like, yeah. If you read the whole chapter and you're like, that was so much, I've actually no idea. Yeah, slow down. down. You do yeah. not have yeah. to read a yeah. chapter. Like yeah. you can read Bible in a year. more slowly. Yeah, I have to. I'm on. I'm on this. I'm on a little bit of a tirade with people now that nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to read the whole Bible in a year. It does not say that. Yeah. Now that's good to do every once in a while, so you get a giant overview. Yeah. But I don't read the whole Bible most years. Yeah. Because it's way too fast. Well, for my an brain. example, right? I finished reading Hebrews last week in my devotions. I probably was in Hebrews for five months. There you go. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It took time. Yeah. yeah. And, and 
a little bit because it's like, what's that mean? Yep. Yeah. But uh, also, like, it's a really, like, there's a lot of stuff. It's quite yeah. dense writing. Yeah. So I wanted to take time over it. Yeah. So here, here's an example. If you aren't starry-eyed by chapter 12 and you do slow down, 12 verse 4 starts with this. In your struggle against sin. Now, if you just stop there, slow down. In your struggle against sin. Who does that apply to? All of us. So, okay, you got my attention. You have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now, some have, but he's talking to this group of people in a Roman house church. They, they evidently haven't. And you, have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. This is super practical. And he's quoting the Old Testament, by the way, there. This is super practical. And then this is really practical because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And then it goes on. I won't keep reading, but Verse 7 start, starts with, endure hardship as discipline. Dude, so, I've been thinking about that so uh, much lately. Yeah, well, that's because you're raising children? Or oh, for man. Your, uh, <laughs> everything. Business yeah, every, life. Yeah. I mean. yeah, but I mean, the chapter 12 is one of the most practical chapters in, yeah. in the whole Bible. And that uh, maybe it comes back a little bit because, uh, yes, people, sometimes their only interaction with Hebrews is to read the, the so-called Hall of Faith mm-hmm. section, right? And that gives us the impression that the book of Hebrews is about faith and how amazing it can be. And like, if you could just believe God for like moving mountains. Whereas actually, I feel like when we have that, if that's what we take from that, I feel like we're misreading. And then if that's what we bring, we miss things. And even what you were saying about this, like draw near to God and the love and good works and like these at these practical aspects, I feel like all of these is almost like the author talks about how amazing Jesus is and what life can be. And then all this catalog of people is not just to say over and over again, like have more faith, have more faith, have more faith. But these are examples of ways people drew close, mm-hmm. good yeah. things people did, ways people suffered, things people interacted with. It's like a litany yeah. of a broad range yes. of practical things. He's giving many, many examples from people that the that the listeners knew about. Yeah. This are these are examples of how people persevered in their faith. And, so much and I'm stuff. calling you to go do the same. And I said, and if you felt like the, the end of Hebrews, the last section was only about faith, you'd be like, Yeah, Hebrews is practical about faith, but I don't really feel like I need more faith now now, so I'm not gonna read Hebrews. It's like, oh, there's so much more than that. Yeah. You know? Yes. One yeah. one thing too, and and I think for where our society is, this is really practical. It's, it's the last few verses of the entire book, at the end of chapter 13. The book ends by saying, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And in the same way, Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing the disgrace that he bore. For here, we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that oh, is man. to come. This city stuff. Dude. And again, I was in this the last couple of weeks. I loved this city. <laughs> and it's like, the, again, oh, there's so shadow and substance, right? Yeah. We, are, we, are, we can go outside the camp, but listen to this. We bear the disgrace that he bore. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to follow Jesus, is that we will bear disgrace. We'll bear public disgrace, and especially as our culture becomes yeah. more of an honor-shame society. We're supposed to be outsiders. Yeah, we're supposed to be outsiders. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so good. So And so relevant in, in a, a place like Portland. Yeah. 
where I, I don't know, and there's two sides to this. On the one hand, we will probably encounter more pushback from a multicultural, pluralistic, postmodern, post-Christian culture. And so we need this to persevere. But on the other hand, like, yeah, you know what? We've been privileged to live a, in a, a very Christianized world. Yep. And that's actually quite abnormal yeah. in the history of God pushing his kingdom into the world. So now we get to learn how to be the church striving forward. And like Hebrews is practical for not just surviving, but like, let's, like, what's it look like for Jesus to take some ground? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's lo loads of hope, not just for us sort of mm -hmm. surviving, but for God's kingdom coming as well. And Tim, you. We can't do this podcast. You just mentioned kingdom coming, and I know Tim's favorite <laughs> part is the mountains in uh, in the last part of chapter twelve. So, Tim, you should talk about how that spoke to you. Yeah, I mean, again, going going back to the main motif throughout the entire book is the wilderness generation, and we're supposed to put ourselves in in their shoes. And at the end of chapter twelve, it, it paints a picture of, of two mountains, and one is Mount Sinai, and one is Mount Zion, essentially, and we have a, a, a choice of how we approach God, right? And, you know, in, in starting in chapter 12, verse 18, it says, now you haven't come to a mountain that can be touched and is burning with fire to darkness, to gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast, to a voice speaking with words that those who heard it begged that no further word could be spoken. It's describing Mount Sinai. And it's saying that... that and kind of cowering at the foot yeah, of it, Yeah, right? that's right, cowering, yes. yeah. Scared, and fearful. It's, it says, yeah. but, but instead... You've come to Mount Zion, the heavenly city of Jerusalem, the city of the living God, the city of thousands and thousands of angels that are literally partying. And it's saying, you've come to the city where the righteous men and women are made perfect, to Jesus, to the new covenant. And, and for me, what it does is, it, it says at the end that, that there's going to be a time where, where God does shake the heavens and the earth, and, and the things that do not have substance will fall away. And it talks about we are enduring a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We're enduring a king, or we are we are inheriting a kingdom that has the substance to it. And and it's it's my choice if I want to approach God through the lens of Mount Sinai, where I'm cowering in fear with nothing to cover me from mm. God's justice, or if I want to accept the invitation of Jesus to join the party. And I think that that motif of the two mountains is huge. And we are supposed to imagine we are Israel in Exodus 19, standing at the foot of Mount Sinai. Do we go up the mountain or do we shrink back? Yeah, yeah, that's so good. All right, I'm going to ask you one more. I was going to say one more question. I'm going to ask you some practical, like, where to listen questions. But okay. like, before we get to that, because I feel like this question is a really good window into, like, what it's like to wrestle with Scripture sometimes. Mm -hmm. What, for you, was the bit of Hebrews where you got like confused and stuck <laughs> and like what what was something you had to spend loads of time and what was it like you know to to try and figure out something that you would just you couldn't see what was going on well there's a lot of choices <laughs> i know <laughs> um oh there's you can pick uh, one pick okay. one of your favorites um, i bet, I, I, bet I, we have, I bet we have the same one we'll see uh you go first i'm gonna say just because i knew it was going to be controversial yeah. Uh, chapter six, the lose your salvation or not. 
And yes. we joked on the podcast that, okay, some of you have skipped to this one because we know that you want to know what we think. Yeah. Can we lose our salvation or not? And I spent a lot of time on that, a lot of time on that. Yeah. And what I discovered, mostly through the writings of Scott McKnight and a little bit of N.T. Wright, that's not what the author's talking about. No. He's not talking about whether or not you can lose your salvation or not. Now, it is one of the warning passages, but what he's saying is don't reject Jesus. And in fact, all the warning passages kind of go around this persevere in the faith motif that, yeah. that, he, that he's going on. So what, what I discovered through in reading that and studying that is the book of Hebrews is more than any other place, I think, in, in, the, in the New Testament highlights the three tenses of salvation. Mm. And in our culture, we tend to focus the only on the past tense. Have you been saved? Have you been converted? Yeah, we want to know about our destiny, not our reality. Right. right? And, and the pastor here is con- talking about you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. And those we're redeemed, but our redemption is not yet complete. Yes. yes, and it's more, but it's more than now and not yet. If you're familiar yeah. with that language that, that we are, but the people listening may or may not, it's more than that. There, there is the reality is that once you're saved, well, why do we need to persevere in the faith? I'm saved. I'm That's going right. to heaven, right? I don't need to persevere. Oh, yes, you do, because you are being That's saved. Right. For and one of the best languages in, in, in Hebrews is when it says that our Jesus makes our salvation complete. Yes. And that complete yeah, I is wish the we will use the word salvation to actually think of what we normally even just mean in English by someone saving or rescuing someone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's yeah. like, oh yeah, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. It's like, yeah, but you live in a world filled with persecution. Jesus right. wants to save you from that. Yes. You live in a world where there's an enemy that wants to destroy you. Jesus wants to save you from that. Right. You live polluted and by, by things that corrupt. Jesus wants yeah. to save you from that. Yes. You mm-hmm. live with like sickness and death and trouble. Jesus wants to save. Like there's so many aspects mm-hmm. that if we really understand salvation is like, I'm fully safe now. Yeah. Well, I'm going <laughs> to piggyback on that because at the end of this chapter six, challenge, uh, there's this interesting metaphor that the author just, the pastor just throws in there. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. And this goes to what you were saying. And the interesting thing is when you really do a deep dive in that metaphor, I read it for many, many times through, is it's two different lands. It's not. It's the same land. And that's exactly what you were speaking to. We live in a land that Jesus wants to save us from. He wants us to drink in the rain, the goodness, and save us from the thorns and thistles. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Yeah. What about for you, Tim? Well, that wasn't that wasn't mine, but that there is a lot there that we could definitely talk about. Oh yeah, we could I have mean, a whole I, other conversation. I actually, about actually, that. I said this on the podcast, <laughs> and I might get in trouble for it, but I said the whole conversation of you know, can you lose your salvation? It, it's very problematic in the way that we ask it. Yes. Yes. I heard Gary, I heard a friend say Gary Brashears once said that we say, can you lose your salvation? Almost like, can you lose your keys? It's not exactly how it works. But if you if you were to try to pin me down, I would tell you, I don't know. Like that's just what I would tell you. But what I do know is that Jesus is faithful. That's what I know. It's really interesting because I feel like there's a, because I, I feel a really strong, you can't, but also agreed, lose is a terrible word. Yeah. 
Um, but I think it's really interesting question. But if someone was really asking me, can I lose my salvation? Like the, the next question is not a theology question. The next question is like, why are you worried about that? Yeah. Because yeah. probably we should have a talk about something else That's other right. than That's the right. theology of Hebrews. That's right. That's right. right. <laughs> yeah. And there's to finish that, to put a nail on that, uh, verse 11 of chapter 6, this is what the, how the pastor ends it. He says, we want each of you to show this same diligence yes. to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that difference of like, how close can I get to that's the right. line of losing my that's salvation? Right. And actually what Hebrews is trying to be is like, Jesus is so amazing. Like, go completely the other way. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the whole thing is, you know, do you want to go back to Egypt or do you want to go to the promised yeah, land? Good like, point. Yeah, like, it's, the, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the wilderness generation. It's the wilderness generation. Again. And, yeah. and man, I can, I can stumble my way to the promised land. Like, I really can. I, you know, I can be at the back of the pack still trying yeah, to follow yeah, yeah. and stumble my way. And okay. Jesus is gracious. He's gracious yeah, to take me there. Yeah. Another yeah. second nail in that coffin is, is fun to ask. Is Moses didn't make it in the promised land. Is he no. saved? And two tribes mm-hmm. didn't. Yeah. So what's with that? You know, that's, yeah. uh, that's, I know that was just a dangling teaser. And, and in Deuteronomy, you've got two tribes that don't. And right. actually Moses says to them, like, why do you discourage the rest of the people yeah, by yeah, not yeah. doing that? So to just so, to, to, so there's, to, there's also there's the personal, yeah. but there's also the corporate perspective yeah. yes, on these there things. Is. So yeah. for everybody that's listening and freaking out, the point is persevere in the faith. Yeah. And yeah. Moses is with Jesus because yeah. he appeared in the chapter New 11. Testament yeah. on the Transfiguration. <laughs> and he's in chapter eleven of the Hall of Faith. But he did die in the wilderness without seeing the promised yeah. land. You know, for for me I, I, Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, go for it. Yeah, there's like we could do a whole podcast on like <laughs> why did Moses have to die there for some amazing like reasons that reveal so much about what God was trying to show about the limitations of like what God was doing in that era. So yeah. it just points forward to Jesus again. Yeah. For me, the, I think the most confusing sections are chapters eight, nine, and the beginning of 10. It is so thick and it is so dense. And one thing that's been helpful is, is some of the scholars that me and Steve have been reading have kind of like this threefold structure of how to see what's going on in these sections of, sanctuary, sacrifice, and covenant. And it kind of actually repeats itself like three times. Mm. And that section to me is super, super dense and really difficult. Yeah. So so learning a bit, but then slowing down because it's dense. That's, yeah. the, that's the thing you had to do. Yeah. yeah. And on the podcast, we did one episode for each of the three movements yeah. and just walked through. Uh, but one of the cool parts, again, the artful thing, is the middle section, the sacrifice section, probably the most important would you say tim you know of the three uh, i don't know if that's true or not but but it grows it gets bigger and bigger mm. and bigger and some of the most amazing things about jesus's final sacrifice once for all is in the third movement middle section which talks about the sacrifice so yeah it was designed by somebody that's very very intelligent i yeah. wonder who that was yes <laughs> that's so good all right but let's talk practical so uh how like how many episodes is it? How can people listen? Where can they find it? Uh, of course, we'll put the link in the podcast notes, yeah. but it's good to say as well. Well, there's 20 episodes. Longest one is 30 minutes because that's how Tim and I roll at these things. Yeah, yeah, these guys make the House of Learning podcast seem like the longest thing in the world. We have never managed to do anything under 30 minutes. You know, me you and guys Steve, are amazing. We literally we <laughs> kept a timer that both of us could see. And if it hit 30 minutes, we had to stop and re-record it. I know, you told me that for Revelation. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, that would stress me out. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's 20 episodes, and most most of the episodes are anywhere from like 18 to 
you know, 28 minutes or so. Yeah. And you can find it in... Are, th- are they uh, all available? So people can kind of start now? It's released episodically. So I, I think as of today, we probably have... 10 on the podcast. 10 or 11 available. Okay, so you and then, can start, you can dig in. Yep, and yeah. they come out once a week. Cool. So, so uh, yeah, over the, next, over the next few months, they'll all be released. But the podcast is called Hebrews, A Conversation. And so if you, if you punch that into you know, Spotify or Apple yep. Podcasts, Hebrews, A Conversation. Now, if you want to get all of them, you can go to the website, ahebrewsconversation.com. So what we did is through the podcast, we're releasing them episodically. But if you're just chomping at the bit and you want to get them all, just go to the website and you can you can actually yeah, get all cool. of them ahead of time. Well, and right now there's just 15 of the 20 because yes. when you say get them all soon, still working on yeah, them. By the, yeah, by the time this is this is done, they'll be there. Yeah, okay. And I know with Revelation there was also on the website. It's like if you're really getting into it, here's some things you can read, yep. some extra resources, so people can find some of that stuff as well. Yeah, Steve put together some really really good resources, and they're they're actually ranked from most accessible to most academic. Awesome. So yeah. And then, like, another practical question is, um, what's your suggestion for how to listen to these? Is this, like, easy listening on your car, on your commute? Is, like, what's a good way, do you feel like, to interact with the podcast to get the most out of it? Well, it's going going to be a lot like the Revelation podcast, where we had a lot of people say, well... I started listening to it while I was running, and that didn't work very well because there's a lot of material and a lot yeah. of dense. So you can just listen to it while you're running, but most people, I think, will get more out of it if they are, sit down with an open Bible in front of them because we read the whole text, yeah. but we go back to it through the rest of the podcast. Yeah. So to have the written text in front of you while you listen will be much, most helpful. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I guess I would say... I, I would say if, if you're interested in it, I would just start reading the book of Hebrews for your daily devotions on repeat until you're done listening to the podcast. And, and my guess is that you're probably going to end up reading through the book, you know, two to three yeah, times, times. By, the, by the time you get through it. So as we say things in the podcast, it's going to trigger, oh, wait, yeah, I, I just read that in chapter two. So I think, yeah, between the two of those, that, that's what I would yeah. say is you want to be immersed in yeah, Hebrews. Yeah. And yeah. I would, uh, a close third is to actually listen to it um, that's when we were first starting this. That's what I did over and listen over. Listen to the over. book of Hebrews, you mean? Yes. Yeah. yeah listen. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Thank you, Tim. Um, Not listen to the podcast. No, 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 no. You no, can no, listen. You like, can. Actually, listening more than once is good for a podcast too. Yes. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I listened to the book many times because, after all, it is a sermon, and I tried to put myself in the place of the original audience and realized they're way smarter than I am, and they know the Old Testament way better than me because it took many times listening to it to start getting getting it, Get it fixed in your mind yeah, yeah it takes about 45 minutes and you know that's about the average time i do cardio so i'd get on the that's exercise good. book yeah. put on and just listen to it i actually found it really really helpful because it is kind of dense to listen to it and have the words in front of me so it's going in my ears and it's going in my eyes so it's a better chance it's going to get into my brain yeah yeah that's good yeah all right i was just to say really quick that that's just a good thing though with 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 anything in our bibles is that it's easy to forget the fact that almost all of the original audience couldn't read right the the bible was 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 mostly a spoken text yeah and when we can actually listen to it on repeat we really start to pick some things up even just after you know the second or third time going through uh, a book of the bible even reading aloud can be an interesting practice but that's that's a whole nother conversation we'll do another time on how how to read your bible in fact my brother and (laughs) sister-in-law the way they do 
uh, the podcast is they read to one another and then listen to the podcast. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. That's cool. I don't know how you want to end this one. Well, I, I, I feel like you've got an ending teed think, up for us, Steve. I think we should read the benediction oh, that cool. the pastor Let's do gives that. us. So yeah. I'll just read that. It's, it's chapter 13, verse 20. And for the, a, after this benediction, there's four more verses. Those were tagged on to make the sermon a letter to be distributed to the churches. Gotcha. So this is the very end of the sermon. Now, may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, there you go. Be encouraged. Have a good week. Start enjoying Hebrews more. Thanks for having us here. Yeah, thanks, Richard. Mm